You're listening to Pixels in Flesh, an Anderson Dexter novel, written and read by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information, visit darusha.ca. Chapter 14 It was mid-afternoon, definitely still the workday, but Dex and René Biagini had decided that there was no point in being essentially your own boss if you couldn't give the staff a break every once and again. René had a small bowl of some revolting-looking organic food substance in front of him, and Dex had a glass of Jamaica's best in ginger. It was a far cry from a real dark and stormy, but he didn't feel like he deserved the good stuff when he was just skiving off for a few hours. He hadn't even solved anything. So are they literally all Empire or Techlide shops? Biagini asked, practically caressing his meal with a fork. All but three, and if you really drill into those ones, they don't match the pattern. One had a lot of stock stolen. One was barely even disrupted by a small graffiti tag, and the third was an independent player who'd had some shady business associates before she tried to go straight. Dex shook his head. The ones that all fit the pattern are all either owned by Techloid or by Empire. Rene took a bite of his lumpy green stew and closed his eyes. It was a look of pleasure which Dex recognized, but didn't understand. That stuff looked like it oozed out from under a rock on the beach. When René was done his foodgasm, he scowled. So you think it's a vigilante? Sticking it to the man, something like that? Maybe. Dex swirled his drink in the glass, watching carbonation bubbles float to the surface. Could be a revenge thing. Someone angry at losing a job? I don't know, René said, a skeptical look on his face. If it were only one firm being targeted, I could see that, but two? And both of them seemed to start being hit at about the same time. It's a lot for one disgruntled ex-employee to do. Yeah, I don't see this being a one-person operation, Dex said. The geographical area alone makes that improbable. And I'm convinced this isn't a local phenomenon either. Any word from your compadres on other squads? René shook his head. I only put out the request yesterday, and I couldn't in good conscience mark it urgent. It could be a while. Well, I'm operating under the assumption that this is happening all over, and it's being done by a group a pretty well-organized group to boot. He began ticking off points on his fingers. 1. None of the attacks have been caught on internal surveillance video and clear enough res to get an identity. 2. Even though several of the targeted businesses keep long hours, none were hit when there were any staff on duty. 3. If you're hiring local thugs to run a smash-and-don't-grab, odds are that someone will get stickier fingers than they're supposed to and take something valuable. That hasn't happened. 4. I don't really have a point number four. I just feel in my guts that this is part of a well-coordinated, centrally managed operation. It feels almost corporate. Dex shrugged and took a slug of his drink. I will admit that your guts have been right more often than not, Renee conceded. Maybe when we hear from the other teams it will give us something more to go on? But I agree. Something smells fishy. Dex wrinkled his nose. Renee, it's your lunch. Rene laughed. You are such a Philistine, Anderson Dexter. It's a good thing you're so pretty, or I don't know why I'd keep company with you. Jesus, Rene. Dex felt his cheeks heating up, and he cursed the fact that Rene still managed to embarrass him. He also cursed the fact that he couldn't manage to keep the smile off his face. Save it for an appreciative audience, will you? Rene shrugged and said, Oh, I know you appreciate it. Everyone likes to be admired, even you, Mr. Hardass. 
He waggled his eyebrows and Dex failed to keep the laugh that had been brewing inside. The two broke into a fit of giggles loud enough to make the people at the next table look over, which didn't help matters at all. It was still early when Dex left Le Retro. He knew he ought to get a bit more work in before heading home. He decided to walk down to the beach. Maybe having the ocean on the other side of his visual overlay would be the kind of soothing influence that would jog some ideas. As he neared the waterfront, the scent of the sea assaulted his nostrils. It was both pleasant and not, intensely organic. Something smelled fishy indeed. He was smirking at his own joke when he noticed something odd. The beach wasn't terribly wide, but it was long, stretching from the airport all the way to the seaport at the other end of the bay. While the beach area near the town site had the usual selection of street vendors and sun worshippers, Dex could see that in both directions there were pockets of what looked like dugouts or makeshift tents. Dex started walking toward the seaport, curiosity having gotten the better of him. As he got closer, he realized that he'd been right. They were impromptu shelters. He approached one and saw that it was a large sheet of veriplastic draped over some boxes and bins. There was movement inside, but Dex didn't want to startle the occupant, so he kept on walking. Several meters away was another makeshift beach hut, this one more robustly constructed with printed panels to make rudimentary walls and a roof. Dex turned to walk back toward town. They were essentially streeters, people who had no corporate or private accommodation, scrounging for whatever they could. Every city had them, some to a greater or lesser extent than others. He'd seen more here in Nice than he had back in America, which he assumed was due to the favorable climate. It was a lot easier to live outdoors in a place that never got close to freezing. But this beach community was even more extensive than he'd realized. He mentally revised the number of streeters in Nice up by a large margin. It was disturbing. He thought about the break-in at the Techloid shop and Lisa's fear of being fired over it. He wondered if that had been the result in some of the other cases. Is that why there were so many more people out here? Annabelle was still working when Dex got back to the apartment, which gave him a twinge of guilt over his afternoon break with Biagini. He slipped into the closet office and linked into M-City. He found his avatar behind his desk, a new file folder in his inbox. It had a slight luminous quality, which meant he hadn't yet opened it. He grabbed it and scanned the contents. It was the analysis of the disk blocks for sale that he'd toured with the agency sales bot. He skimmed over the technical details, which meant little to him, but his eyes caught on the list of tenants. He'd written the search parameters to drill down into whatever detail was available, and, like a good robot, his system had complied. The full ownership details for every tenant were listed, including private investors, parent companies, and shell corporations. It was mostly uninteresting, except for one common feature. Each of the disk blocks housed a tenant which was ultimately a subsidiary of the Oyuba Corporation. Dex did a search of the tenants of the block Zahara Zhang now owned to see if any of them could be traced back to Oyuba. Bingo. One of the seemingly independent cafes was actually an Oyuba subsidiary. So, how was Oyuba involved? Dex did some quick digging, and was surprised to find that they had several Respace hosting arms. So, why would their subsidiaries lease from private blocks? It didn't make any sense. A quiet knock on the closet door derailed Dex's train of thought. I'll be out in a minute, he called, and logged out of M-City. Annabelle was digging through the chiller drawer and came up with a pair of hot meal packets. 
Dex nodded, not knowing what they contained. He'd never really cared about food and left it to Annabelle to get what she liked. When he'd lived on his own, it was nothing but economy-sized cases of food bricks, and that was good enough for him. Dex set their dinner in the zapper, then said, Sorry I worked so late. I'm not doing a good job of setting time boundaries for myself. Dex grinned and slipped into his chair at the small pull-down table. I know what you mean, he said. I always thought there were a lot of great things about working for myself, but I can't deny that the boss is an asshole. Annabelle laughed. You calling me an asshole? Of course not, Dex said, holding up his hands in a gesture of supplication. You were the one complaining about management. She chuckled as the zapper dinged. She pulled out the meal packages and set them on the table. They were the fancy kind, that had three different flavor units. The package was designed to heat them all individually, so the liquid stew part was piping hot, while the mushy green stuff was just this side of warm. At least it wasn't as off-putting as Renee's bowl of whatever it was. So how's it going? Dex asked after a mouthful of green mush. It looked gross, but it tasted okay. Good, I think. She pushed her food around with her spoon and looked thoughtful. Stella Bish hooked me up with two gigs, neither of them a full load. But between them, she made a face. It's more than I can do in a normal day. Can't you just put one of them off? Work them sequentially? She shook her head. Of course, they're both time-sensitive. One is patching the security for a training lab. Every minute that it's not done, they're vulnerable. And the other one is just cosmetic, but it's for a res installation that's been booked to open for months. And it's meant to go live in less than a week. Geez, Dex said, that wasn't really fair of Bish to lay those both on you. Annabelle looked up at Dex through her hair. He knew that expression. You volunteered. They were my first job offers, she protested. I didn't want to say no. And besides, I figured that if I put in a little extra effort up front, that it would look good for me down the road. Happy clients and all that. Uh-huh. Dex shook his head and tried to conceal his grin. It was typical Annabelle, and probably a smart move. What about you? she asked. Any news on Captain Zhang's mysterious benefactor? Dex explained what he'd turned up about Ayuba. I can't be sure that the second blocks I viewed are even part of this inheritance, he said, but it all feels connected, you know? Annabelle nodded, gesturing for him to go on. Ayuba is huge online. They probably control close to half the res space in M-City, plus all their other holdings. Sure, those umbrella corporations like to keep their different divisions separate, but I can't see any reason why one arm of Oyuba is paying rent to another arm of what is essentially the same organization. But it also seems totally improbable that the cafe and brothel divisions of Oyuba are paying some other company for res space. Yet, that's how it appears. These disc blocks are really for sale, and from everything I can find, they are being sold by private individuals. It just doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Annabelle pursed her lips. These big companies usually leave the day-to-day -day operations to the subs. I wonder if all the blocks you've been looking at were part of one subsidiary, but then something happened to it. Maybe it was sold off or dissolved or something? A bunch of disc blocks are worth a ton of money, but let's be honest, they're small beans to an outfit like Oyuba. Yeah, you might be onto something, Dex said. I should be able to take a look at the historical records, not for the blocks themselves, but for each tenant. That might shed a little light on things. Annabelle grinned and took Dex's hand. Glad I could help. She squeezed and let go, but then left her hand on his. You know, I've missed this. Dinner?
No, talking shop, noodling about cases. I mean, technically what you and I do is pretty different, but really it's all the same. Solving puzzles. You do always help me look at things from a different perspective. She grinned. A different perspective sounds good. How does horizontal grab you? You've been listening to Pixels in Flesh by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information about this and the other Anderson Dexter books, visit darusha.ca. Thanks for listening.